What's up, everybody? Thank you all for listening, and welcome to the next episode of Sports and Torts. The conversation I'm having today is one that, quite frankly, I've been waiting to have for about 25 years and couldn't be more excited to have. Today, we're talking about your world champion Atlanta Braves. Actually, I should say the World Series champion Atlanta Braves is a nod to my friend English Larry. But seriously, how good does that sound? Champion Atlanta Braves. So we are unapologetically devoting this entire podcast, or at least the lion's share of this podcast, to the Braves and to baseball. With me today is my good friend, Brad Glenn. Brad is the definition of an Atlanta sports fan. Seriously, if you look up in Webster's Dictionary, you're going to see a picture of Brad in there. Maybe smiling, probably frowning, as a lifelong Braves, Falcons, and Georgia Tech fan. He's been through a lot. He's been through all the bads. But he's also been through a lot of the goods. And his passion and, frankly, his knowledge is really second to none. By way of an example, I went back through some text messages before today between me and Brad about the Braves. And the Braves won the World Series on November 2nd. Obviously, euphoric text messages and phone calls followed that. But it didn't take until November 4th, which is just two days later, that Brad sent us all in our group text a message about how Liberty Media was issuing an earnings report and what that meant for the 2022 payroll and re-signing Freddie Freeman and how they better not screw over the fan base with being cheap with all the money they just made from the last, you know, last few weeks with the World Series. To which we replied back, dude, we just won the World Series. You need to chill out. But that's Brad. That's his passion. Um, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him today. And I think you all will really enjoy hearing from him. So, Brad, welcome to the show. And uh, I guess tell us first off, are you still riding high from the World Series championship? Or are you more focused on what the ownership needs to do to allow the Braves to repeat? Well, I appreciate you having me. Um, it's a great introduction. Um, I, you know, if you look up the definition of Atlanta sports fans, you probably see people with bags on their heads over, over a period of years. You see all kinds of uh, interesting things. Uh, if you look up a Georgia Tech sports fan, it's a lifetime of misery. I've gone through that as well. So am I still riding high on the World Series? Oh, Absolutely. We all are. It's, it's, it was such a great experience for our families. You have young kids. I have young kids. Our parents, your parents and mine, both native Atlantans. So it was just a great event for the community. Brought everybody together. I, I'm, still, I'm still riding high from it. Um, curious about kind of where you were watching that game six, um, what you felt when that ground ball was hit to Dansby and he pumped fake to second and then got the last out over at first to Freddie. So, you know, over the course of my Atlanta sports fandom, uh, seen some interesting things. Like I said, Georgia Tech fan winning the national championship in 1990, going to the Final Four a couple of times, very, very unexpected. But I can say, honestly, there's nothing that compares to how unexpected this run was from the Braves. I thought it was a great story that they were even getting there. Um, I was happy to kind of see how far they could go. But, you know, I, I had no thoughts of them winning a World Series. So as I'm watching Dansby field that ball, kind of pump fake to second, Ozzy wasn't there, and then make that throw across to Freddie. I'm just thinking, how perfect is this? That Freddie's catching the ball, he fell over almost backwards when he did, and just, you know, the absolute euphoria. And, and seeing the excitement within the team, that's pretty awesome. You know, these are grown men, these are guys who have dedicated a lot of their life to, to this sport, but to see the excitement and the passion and, you know, Snitker just... I mean, what a great story. That's, somebody's got to be making a movie about that already. <laughs> Are you, is it in the, in the works? You well, do maybe that? it's me. No. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's funny you mentioned the Freddie Freeman catching that last ball. Have you seen the Sports Illustrated commemorative edition that has him making the catch? So that's going to be the, the iconic picture that we all see, as it should be. Um, Freddie, we'll talk a lot more about kind of signing him, but um, it's, it's, it's so fitting that he caught that last, that last ball. Don't know what he did with it other than put it in his back pocket. Hopefully he still has it. Um, I was at game four against the Brewers when he hit the home run off of um, what was it? what's their closure name? Hayden. Heater. Uh, and it was great for him to be that in that moment too. You know, I mean, those are the things that that will will live with his legacy forever. So when you're watching the game, were you at your house? Who were you with? Take us through kind of your setup. 
So I, and I think we'll get into a little bit more of this later, but I, I like to be there. I like to be in the action. But I went to Houston for the first couple of games um, for the games in Atlanta, uh, obviously dying to go to those games, but I really wanted to see them. You know, I, if I wasn't going to be there, if I wasn't going to be you know, at the game in a pretty good seat, I wanted to be in front of a TV where I could really watch and, and take it all in. And uh, for, for the last game, I was actually at my brother's house. Uh, my parents were there and, you know, just kind of celebrate it the way that I feel like it should be done. You know, we're a family that when my dad, you know, reached a certain age, my brother and I surprised him, took him up to the Field of Dreams, you know, had an awesome time there. You know, that's just sort of what we do. We went up to the Hall of Fame, you know, we, we just, that's what we do. Nobody better to celebrate it with. No, you're 100% right. Um, my brother and my dad, same, similar situation that you have. We all enjoy these games together. Um, we were on FaceTime kind of towards the end. We didn't get together. My dad, he's funny. He, he says that one of his biggest regrets was not coming to my house, getting together. But, you know, that was a, that was a tiring month walking, watching all those games. But anyway, I did have my brother's family and my sister's family, my dad and mom over the next night just to kind of celebrate. Um, now, you ran out after the game and went to Dick's, right? You had to be the first person to get Hell your yeah. shirt, get your – Tell, tell us how that was. I went to see my friend Gwen, the manager at the, the Linux Dicks. Um, Did they have yeah. your own special stuff waiting for you in the corner? Oh, they had a cubby for me. All right. No, it was it was great. You know, I mean, what a, what a great time. I've done that for several different sporting events, and it's just a great moment because there's so much euphoria. Everyone who's there is obviously just on cloud nine. You know, it's just another chance to kind of extend the night and, you know, and celebrate. So I'm wearing my World Series Braves shirt. I've got all the gear. I've got the sweatshirt. My kids have the stocking caps. My wife's got the sweatshirt. And that's something they can never take away from us. I mean, we'll be wearing it forever. My, my, um, my watching Game 6 experience was, was kind of similar. I watched it in my house with my kids and my wife. And the night before, or Game 5, two nights before, we were at my friend Chip Schmelk's house. He had a huge party. He has an awesome setup. Watching the game outside. Duvall, remember, hit that grand slam place was going crazy. I mean, kids were going nuts and we thought tonight's night, we're going to, we're going to win it all. We were planning on going to the battery to celebrate. It was Halloween night, if you remember. And then as we know, it didn't work out that night. And all of us were like, oh shit, it's going to happen again. The Braves cursed, Atlanta curse is going to come. So I said, (laughs) I said, game six, I just got to be by myself. I got to be, I can't, I can't subject myself to what's going to happen. And so reading dinner, um, that game didn't start off well for us. Max Freed in the bottom of the first. Um, Altuve got that. was a weak, like, infield hit. And then I guess it was Brantley that hit that ground ball. That was also a very weakly hit, but it was in the perfect spot. Freed goes to cover first base. He gets his ankle stepped on. And we think that he may have broken his ankle or gotten hurt just like Charlie Morton did. At that point, Brad, I think I, I kind of blacked out. And, and I said, this cannot be happening again. And I told my son, who um, is all in on the Braves, I said, let's, let's go play ping pong. Let's go play pool. I, I cannot, I can't go through this. We were still cleaning up. And so, you know, that kind of slowed that down. They got out of the inning. Then you get the Solaire's home run. And then you're kind of off the races. I think I blacked out again from like inning five through eight. Couldn't really believe what was going on. Watched the whole game, though, with, with the family. Um, ninth inning kind of got back into it. And then from there, it was just, it was just great. So all those blackouts, what were you drinking that night? I wasn't, I mean, I was, but not the the blackouts were not from drinking. So thank you for, for, for clarifying that the blackout number one was because I just couldn't believe this was happening again. And then the second one was, I can't believe this is happening in the good way. Right. Dansby hits the home run. Freddie hits the home run. I've got my daughter took video of me picking up the kids around the house. I think I just kind of had an out of body four inning experience. Yeah, uh, it, it was. It's funny you say that about blacking out because obviously the greatest experience as a fan, you know, that that entire month was just awesome. But there are so many moments that I had to go back and kind of and kind of look up, relive because there are just so many of them. That was what that newspaper that came out was so great. I'm sure you got a yes. copy, and it went through every single game, hit the high points, um, talked about the big moments. So we'll, you know. You could probably name 10, but if you were to name one or two kind of favorite moments from that World Series or even playoffs, if you want, what would they be? Well, so I'd say certainly the moment you mentioned before about Freddie hitting the home run off Hayter uh, against Milwaukee, just a great moment. Freddie hadn't had his signature moment. You know, he's had a million moments, but this was with the lights shining on him and won us that game, got a curtain call first time I remember it. Um, I love seeing the celebration against the Dodgers. 
just, you know, that series was great, but the celebration was awesome because they, they're, they were our big road bump. You know, we couldn't get around them. They, their payrolls, you know, a uh, hundred million they dollars are, more than ours. We hate yeah, them. absolutely. And, and to, to clear that hurdle when we should have done it last year, when I thought the, the path was a lot clearer, um, but to do it this year in the fashion we did, it was awesome. And to see the celebration, the genuine joy on the looks of the, the, the guys who, you know, they're going to the World Series. And then the sequence I love most in the World Series was game four when Soler hit that line drive to left field. And then the next inning, I think it was, uh, Altuve hit a line drive to almost the same spot. And Rosario ran back and made kind of that circus spinning catch. And it was just sort of that, that, that comparative moment that was awesome. That, that catch by Rosario was on my list, too. Um, have you gone back and watched that in, like, slow motion? Or how the hell did he catch that ball? You know, they do those stat tracks, or Amazon does it, right. ESPN does it, and I think they put the catch probability at, like, less than 1%. And, and even when he made the catch, um, I don't think he even knew that he had gotten there, you no. know? And what was interesting, my friend Brian Karen, me and him um, – we're talking about before one of the games about the defensive play in left field because you remember that the the Astros had to put their DH out in left field, and me and Brian and my dad actually we talked about how that could be a important part of the game because we had an advantage and you know the this, the home run that Soler hit over in left field was not over by very much and it could have been potentially robbed but we had an advantage uh, for for sure on defense. My favorite moment. I went to game three. It's the first World Series game I've ever been to. I went with my dad. We sat right near where Travis Darno's home run went. Like, literally, we were right there. That game remembers a no-hitter for several innings, right. um, which was kind of like a subplot of the game. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, you're just like, okay, you can't talk about it. Uh, you know, the, the atmosphere was just incredible. My favorite moment of playoffs, backing up, was, was Matzik when he came in yeah. in game six. Right against the Dodgers, and I went and looked up his st- stat line because I remembered it back then, but I, I wanted to make sure I was right. So he got six outs. He had four strikeouts through 17 pitches, 15 strikes. The first three were against Pujols, Hall of Famer, Souza, whatever, still, and then Mookie Betts, who will be a Hall of Famer and is probably the hardest guy to strike out in the major leagues. And he did it with, what, second and third or first or second after Luke Jackson. Right. Yep. Um, he earned the name Nutsack that night. Um, that, was, that was my favorite moment. Um, God bless the bullpen. They caught a lot of heat during the season. But, I mean, how great were they in the postseason? Well, Luke Jackson. I mean, if you could pull up our text from last year and really the beginning of this year, I mean, that guy was the most hated Brave in a long time. And that guy really stepped it up. Our friends call him Puke Jackson because he would come in. That's <laughs> Absolutely. what like. So, uh, you know, Dilly Dilly did the whole bullpen. Will Smith, A.J. Minter, these guys, they did their thing. So you actually um, – you went to Houston, you said, for the first first two games. Is that right? Yes. Tell us about that. Uh, just, again, an awesome experience. Uh, you know, to get to go see the World Series, to take my son with me, um, and we were staying with my best friend from college. You know, just the whole experience was was awesome. Um, to get there, if you haven't been on a road trip to to see your team play, one thing in college football, it's awesome, but you're there surrounded by a lot of people, probably sitting in similar sections, similar places. You go to a baseball game on the road. It's just an interesting, a playoff game in particular, it's just an interesting atmosphere. I went to Pittsburgh in 92 uh, for the, the couple of games up there. Just awesome, you know, and you, you feel like there's something special about it because you're there and you're not supposed to be there. And so we, we went, we had great seats for game one and game two um, and just enjoyed every second of it. Got there early, hung out down by the field, you know, by the dugout, talked to all the sports writers, all the different guys, and everyone's just happy to be there. How were the Astros fans? So the fan, Astros fans were kind of interesting. You know, they're still butthurt about this cheating thing, which is funny to me because they caused it. So, they were cheaters. Right, like, yeah. Don't I mean, do the crime right. if you can't do the time. So they, the, the big theme in Houston is, you know, that's so last year, two years ago, it's over, it's, it's done. You players. know, Move on, move on. Right. But it's the same players, a lot of the same players. But also, they want you to move on. But on the scoreboard, every couple of innings, they'd put up a graphic or even like a whole little video montage of – Houston versus everybody. You know, well, what does that mean? That means everyone's against us. We better, you know, well, you can't you can't say you don't like it and then also use it for motivation. So they kind of were right though because I saw those, you know, they did those fan graphs of who's rooting for who and it was 99% versus the one, Braves 99 
Astros, 1%, and it was only Houston rooting for the. I think even Dallas, the other. other but they, they, you reap what you sow, right? Sure. I mean, they were caught. Everybody knows it. So, um, again, Brian Karen, I guess his name will come up again. He, he was on the podcast uh, earlier, and he went to the NLCS games in, in Los Angeles. And his description was that Dodgers fans didn't really seem to care one way or the other that the Braves were beating them because they were just so confident that they were going to win the series. And I was like, oh, this is cute. Get, get your one victory. We'll move on. Did you get the sense the same thing was happening in Houston, or did they take this Braves team seriously? Well, I don't know in Houston if it's because they've been there a few times recently or if we're just more passionate here or we haven't been here in a while. I'm sure it's a combination of all those things. But I didn't get the same, nearly the same sense. You know, I, did, I didn't go to a game in Atlanta, but I did go down for some of the pregame stuff. And the atmosphere was electric. You, you didn't have that there. They also don't have a battery around, you know, around their stadium. You kind of go to the stadium to go watch a baseball game. They've got some uh, good food and drink options in there. Anything unique? Um, they've got... Their stadium. Have you ever seen their stadium? Have you ever been Never there? Never been, but I've, I've obviously seen it on TV. It's a cool stadium. The roof thing was cool when they opened it, but um, it's got more ads all over the place. Like when you look from home plate looking out, I mean, it's just everywhere. It's like, like a NASCAR race. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I was thinking of. Ricky Bobby. Uh, Why do they have that stupid hump in center field? Remember on the warning track? That's gone. Yes. They, they were smart enough to get rid of that. That was I, I never could understood like why put a a pair. I mean, I'm a personal injury attorney, so I can see when something looks dumb and like this this could cause injury. But that that's gone. Um, was it hard to get tickets there? Um, so I, I got lucky. A buddy of mine who got me tickets for the Super Bowl when it was in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Um, everybody's got that buddy that they think is going to come through for them, but never does. This guy comes through. He's my best friend from college, and he is a well-connected guy in, in Houston. And he told me, you know, a week and a half before the, the World Series was set, hey, if it happens to be the Braves in Houston, I'll get us tickets. So I did something I've never done before. I bought the, the flights beforehand. And, you know, now assist to Delta because there's no change fee anymore. That, right. that was a big help in that. But, um, but I had the tickets ready to go. And as soon as that was the matchup... You know, Does your buddy need more friends? Uh, seriously. No kidding. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm happy to have him on the podcast as a guest. Yeah. That's an exchange for, you know the next big event that comes up. Now, we talked a lot in real time about your efforts of, of speaking of tickets, getting into the World Series games. I know that, that ultimately you decided that you wanted to watch them and be into it. But um, you sent some pictures of some pretty unique and interesting ways of going about trying to to get on, you know, Ticketmaster or the secondary, secondary market um, sites to get tickets Talk about what you were doing to try to find tickets to these World Series games. Dude, I had an operations center set up in my yeah, living room. He's, he's actually uh, not kidding. We, uh, we did post a picture of what you had set up in your... And it's that's probably a pretty sick thing. But um, but no, I, I moved I moved a, an iMac in the living room. I had some other stuff, iPad in there, you know, refresh, 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 trying... Because what I learned is they were pumping out tickets at the last minute. And if you were lucky enough to grab them, you got them. So I heard that that Ticketmaster was releasing more tickets as the days were going on. Because every time I logged on, it was just... Yeah, a bunch of nothing. But you literally had to have the stadium map up on your screen, and the second that it turned from gray to blue in a particular section, you had to nail those tickets. And even if you did it in a split second, a lot of times you were beaten to it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you also received a notification from Ticketmaster accusing you of being a bot. I did. Tell us about that, because that must be the biggest compliment you could ever receive. So obviously, I like doing this kind of stuff, and I like finding my way into whatever sporting event I try to get into, and usually I'm pretty successful with it. Um, but yeah, in this case, I took it as a tremendous compliment when Ticketmaster sent me a an automatic notice that said, your account's been suspended because we think you're a bot. Now, do we ever figure out really what you were doing specifically to get that type of a red flag? Or was it just, you were just hammering at it and had your different devices going? And I think they figure if someone is crazy enough to sit around for a couple hours on a Saturday and just keep hitting refresh, 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 maybe there's either a problem with that person or they're a bot. So they basically, they, they realize there's a problem with you. Yes. And so the nice way of saying it was calling you a bot instead of just saying, this guy is freaking crazy and his pointer finger is going to get Gonna need Tommy John sir. You know, yes, surgery, not your baseball. But I read right through it, and yeah, I appreciate their now I appreciate you, their warning. Now you did end up getting tickets. Um, you decided to sell them because you want again wanted to watch it at home, but you were successful. So yeah, I ended up on for Saturday's game. Um, it was like 
it was too close to the first pitch for me to be able to uh, to get down there and see it. And like I said, I, I don't want to gloss over this. I would have loved to have gone to all three games in Atlanta. I didn't do it on purpose stay, to stay home, but um, but I did not want to miss. There are a lot of games I'll go down there, and if I get in a little late, I get in a little late, I'm fine. But World Series, I wanted to see every pitch, every second of it. So um, I ended up, I just had the computer up there. I think my daughter was sleeping on the couch. I was watching football, just kind of refreshing. Came uh, A couple of pairs of tickets came up and turned around and flipped them for double what I bought awesome. them for um, immediately. See, kids, hard work does pay off. Now, me, I know you, uh, be, well, we have a very good mutual friend in common, Sean Traub. I met you through Sean um, tw- you know, 20 plus years ago. He told me a story, and you tell me if this is true. He said that in 1996, you got into the opening ceremonies of the Olympics because you went down there by yourself as a high schooler at the time, and you made a sign that said something like, I have $19.96 and a dream. And you just sat there as a, as a you know, teenage kid and we're hoping that somebody would take pity on you, I suppose. Tell, so is, is, is that story true? Because we know Sean sometimes has a little fun with the facts. T- tell us what happened. If I found that if you are pathetic enough, somebody will walk by and they always have an extra ticket. So that's your play, be and pathetic. That's, and that's what it was. I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know if that's exactly what I was attempting to do at the time, but looking back, damn, I was pathetic, but it worked. And I, I, hell, since then, I've had a long career of scalping tickets to uh, – Freaking Hamilton! When it came to town, my wife wanted to go oh, see it. Now I'm interested in that. Was, what did, because I've I've paid good amount of money to take my family to Hamilton. Tell tell me that strategy. All right, so you go to a sporting event. There are plenty of people out trying to scalp tickets, buy, sell, whatever. You go to a Broadway play. You're the only game in town. Nobody's out there. No, you know, and it was raining that night, and so we ended up getting in for I think it was a hundred bucks for the two of us. I didn't. And know I mean, that. tickets were you know people were paying four or five hundred bucks oh, a ticket. I was one of those yeah. people. I've done it several times. By the way, I love Hamilton, so I'm gl- gladly gladly do that. But I didn't realize you could you could scalp events to Broadway. Any other kind of unique places you found your way into by doing something like that? Uh, one of the best places I found my way into, we were talking about this earlier, is uh, at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony um, when Maddox, Glavin, and Bobby Cox were, were inducted. On Monday morning after the Sunday ceremony, they do a very laid-back roundtable. And they do it at the same site where the, the big event was the day before, the big field. And, uh, and so we're kind of, they're just sitting there waiting for the guys to come out. And I saw a way somehow to sneak around the side, sneak around the back. And I saw all the, all, you know, all the Hall of Famers that had been inducted. They were all standing back there. And they were literally like the five of them and maybe two or three other people. And I just kept walking and walking and nobody said a word to me. And I just kind of acted like I you know, was supposed to be there. And I ended up back there with them. And I had Bobby Cox taking a picture of me and Maddox. I mean, you know, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> hey, Bobby, those, yeah, Bobby right. come over here and take my phone and yeah. take a picture. So, so, the, so the takeaway is either be really, really pathetic or act like you were supposed to be there. Yes. So, so those, those are the two ways to go about it. Now, um, our other friend, Robert Unell, him and Sean told me that you've also been known to use fake media credentials to get into events and or parking passes or parking spots. Is there truth to that? Well, that may or may not have been handed down to me from, uh, from prior generations of my family. I heard that as well. <laughs> my, uh, my father somehow had a, an NBC press pass. Heard this, I think the statute of, lim- of limitations is out on this. Um, and the thing was black and white. I mean, I don't know how somebody could look at this and think it was real, but we got into more things with that pass. And one day my dad went out of town and it was a Braves playoff game. And this was in the nineties. And my uncle took me and my uncle was older and, you know, not real, uh, not a big risk taker. And so we get to the stadium and he shows him my dad's press pass, fake press pass, not was even it, his. Was it at least like laminated or is it just a piece? I, I think maybe it was laminated. I mean, maybe that was the secret. If you get something laminated, you look official at that time. So we get there and they, they look at this thing and we thought they were going to put us in the normal parking lot that they would put us in, a press lot. They open up Fulton County Stadium and they, they open it up for us to drive underneath and park where the players parked. Once again, just act like you're supposed to be there. Exactly. So where is this, assuming it's real, where is, where is this media pass, media credential? Can we still try to use it or is it done? That's a great question. I, I would love to try to use it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you get really far with it. That's great. I, I always, I always enjoy hearing, you know, getting texts from you from the big event. Oh, of course, Brad's there. Of course, he got into it. So that's a, it's a good kind of reputation to have that you, you find your way into these big events because look, that's what to me, that's what life's all about is going these, having these experiences, going to see these events. But did you go to the Rose Bowl when it was Tech uh, Texas versus USC? Yeah, it wasn't okay. Tech. Yeah, it was Texas. Yes. You went to Texas. 
We won't talk too much Texas I, no, football. No, I went Texas, Texas, Alabama. Okay. Oh nine. Oh nine. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking. I didn't go to the good one. The good one. No, I did not go. The to one that. with Vince Young and right. Liner. Okay, so no. you you did not go to the good one. No, <laughs> I did not go to that one. All right, back to the Braves. If if we rewind the clock to um, the trade deadline in a couple of weeks leading up to it, we were all this is not the Braves' year. You know, injuries. Acuna's out. Freddie started real slow. No big deal. Not our year. And AA didn't look at it that way. I think that, that you were on the, we need to be sellers, not buyers. I know I was. I can admit that. Talk about the job that AA did, what he brought in, and how he took where they were to us sitting here talking about being champions. Yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's a tough topic to really dissect because I don't know how much of it was just great moves, how much of it was luck, how much was it lightning in a bottle, you know, but... Yeah, 100%. I, I wanted them. I was mad. I didn't want them to be sellers. I was mad they weren't sellers because this team wasn't going anywhere. There's no way they were going to win even a playoff series or two with what they had with, with Acuna being hurt, Ozuna being out, you know, just too many problems. No way to, to fill that gap. And damn, to his credit, he went out and I mean, every trade he made turned to gold and gave up nothing for it. None. You know, when you give up some mid-level guys that are never going anywhere in, in a minor league system that by now is really not as strong as it once was, you know, the, the return you got, you can't return. The can't. biggest thing you gave away was the Panda, yeah, and he right. wasn't even playing for us anymore. And, the, and no. the Indians turned around and, and cut him. So I, I agree with you. I mean, some of it might have been luck, but I think putting making the, making the decision – to go for it and to be buyers, I think was, was, was the story. And then them all having to work out is just, is just the icing on cake. I mean, um, Jock Peterson, I didn't really like him as a Dodger. Um, some of my friends didn't like him as a brave up until like they really liked him, right. you know, but guys like that, I mean, he came in, you read that player's oh, yeah. article he wrote. Yeah. I mean, he, the city loves them. Yeah. Grown men wearing pearls. I mean, right. it's, it's awesome. Solaire, um, Serrano, you know, oh, God man. love that guy. And Duvall, we you just I mean you really were on this. You said why the hell did they not resign him at two years? What, what was it going to be eight million or six oh, million yeah. or ten? I, I would have given him two years, twenty million, but they could have had him for for one year and like five million dollars going into this season. That didn't make any sense. No, that that, that one at the time was a head scratcher. Was like, huh, really? And that's we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more about the the finances of Liberty Media, but you know that's where I really thought this team wasn't actually equipped to win a World Series. You know, you could have for roughly ten to twelve million dollars, you could have had Duvall back, you could have had um, you know the closer back from last year, you could have had you know you could and you could have another bullpen piece, mm -hmm. and it was that ten million dollars that I thought was going to be the gap between you know filling all the pieces and sitting there looking back saying, man, we needed another bullpen arm, experienced bullpen arm, we needed another good outfielder. But Duvall, I just, I love the story. The guy does nothing but hit 30 home runs a year, plays gold glove caliber defense, which always won, surprises me. I think but, you won a gold glove, yeah, which I was yes. shocked. I was like, wait a second, that guy won a gold glove? But yeah, yeah I mean, if, if you don't notice somebody in the field, it means they're doing everything right. Well, and then he got sent down uh, for a good chunk of last, was last year. Yeah, good, got sent down and didn't complain once. Worked hard. Every report from you know from Gwinnett was that he was working his butt off. Came back up, became you know provided a big spark in the playoffs when they needed him. You know, just what a good guy. Hundred percent. Now you mentioned the you know Liberty Media. We can but this could be a whole podcast in and of itself um, with you. Their payroll this year was like what one fifty ish. They're kind of like I mean I, I kind of view them now as a middle of the road market team, which Atlanta is a huge city, but right. I mean, is that are those numbers right and kind of middle of the road? Yeah, we were. You know, it, it, payroll is a weird thing because depending on what site you look at, they account for things different ways. But you know, when I looked it up, I I, I saw you know yes, we're we're at about one hundred fifty million dollars, which puts us almost dead in the middle, about fourteenth, fifteenth, somewhere in that range in in payroll, and for what. This organization, for the following it has, you know, as they always love to talk about, Braves country is a real thing. It is. It is. You know, now, I don't know how much longer that will last because so many people, uh, you know, their grandparents still watching in Mississippi or Alabama or whatever because that's all they grew up doing with TBS. But, you know, for now, it's a real thing. And, and I don't know, I don't have numbers on eyeballs and, you know, in houses, but the entire Southeast is Braves country. And, you know, you can't, you can't find that in a lot of other places. Liberty Media looks at the Braves as just an asset on their balance sheet, right? 100%. And, and probably not even that big of an asset. This is a, I mean, 
billions and billion dollar company. And Liberty Media owns the battery. Is that right? Correct. And you're in real estate. Like, how does that work with, with the restaurants and the bars? Is that all owned by Liberty Media? So, yeah. So what they did was something totally new and unique at the time to sports. They decided we don't just want to own the stadium. We want to own everything around it. Why build a stadium and enrich all the other people around it? when we can build a stadium and enrich ourselves by you know, building all the other they're, things. They're bringing the sand to their own beach. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and they bought the next beach down and the next beach down and the next beach down. So, you know, so that was their model. And look, we can talk about feelings on whether the team should still be downtown or not or any of those things. Um, but, you know, the fact is uh, they, they made the move up there. I was very much against it, frankly. I know you were. Um, I know you were. And because I do, I believe, you know, Certainly, I believe if taxpayer money is going to go into something, then it needs to be used to really, you know, uh, help an area that's that needs some help. But um, but a, a team should be downtown, and and sh- there should be a vibrancy. You know, I thought really, um, and my dad also mentioned this. I think maybe to me first that maybe they should have built it right where the uh, the Georgia Dome was. You yeah. Know? I, now and, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to to push back on that a, a pr- pretty good amount because I think that I think that the decision was a great one. I said it at the time. I think now anybody that argues against it is wrong. I'd love to see what you say now, and I'll give you the chance to do yeah. that. I live in Cobb County, so I have an inherent bias there. But you live pretty close to Battery too, like probably closer than I do. So your reasons were not selfishly driven because it's it's easier for you to get there. Um, I felt like this. You know, they did a, a, a search of where the season ticket holders were. And they moved to them. And this, the, the battery is awesome. I just don't see that would have happened the same way downtown. Right. I, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to 20 games a year. I would go to two games a year if it was, if it was still downtown. Yeah. My family goes to the battery all the time. We would never... Yeah, never going to. I have an office. My law firm has an office of the battery. So I guess I'm very, I'm very pro battery. But uh, I mean, do you, do you now think it was the right move, or do you still feel like it should be downtown? I like to believe I'm a big enough man to admit my mistakes. <laughs> no, I think you nailed it. I, I mean, I, I look, I had, I was all doom and gloom. I mean, that's, that seems to be a crazy theme for this uh, this podcast. But uh, no, I was very much doom and gloom. I, I thought the traffic living in Sandy Springs is going to be a mess, you know, and just all everything was going to go wrong. I was going to be terrible. As it turned out, it's great, you know. And and I I think you know I still have a little bit of a belief that things should be down, you know. In in a you know in a perfect world things are downtown and they can create something that's you know that's got some life around it but they couldn't have created what they did. Um, now I think the Braves, I think they kind of manipulated the situation. They like to make it out that the city just wouldn't you know wouldn't play ball with them, so they had to move. Uh, I think the reality of the situation is they played this perfectly. They wanted to move. They knew they were going to move. They they presented the city with a list of demands that they knew the city couldn't. You know, there's no way the city could could keep. After, if you recall, the Falcons had just bled the city dry to build their stadium. The, then the Braves hit them with, well, we need all these things for our stadium. And there's no chance. There's no appetite for that at all. So then they said, fine, we're gone. And they left. And, you know, like I said, they built a great built a great place. Who knew that land was even there to be found? I mean, I have a friend who, who was in on very, very in on that. And kudos to him for, I mean, like I said, I and you live right there too your whole life. Didn't know that plot of land was able and capable to do what it did. So um, we can talk about the battery forever. The, the, the question I have for you with Liberty Media is with all the money they made in the last, I mean, the last month of the season specifically, but even more so than that, all the gear people are buying, all the you know beers and you know food people are buying at the battery. Like they made a, as you I think you put a shit ton of money. Are are, are we going to see that rewarded to the fans for spending it by way in in the way of a higher payroll next year? Well, as you know, that's been my big drum beat for you know since 2013 when that's they made your, when they your announced num- it. That's your number one. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, sports fans. Sports fans are the least logical people on earth. You know uh, what other business could you? kind of take advantage, not kind of, take advantage of uh, of the people that you look to and they just keep showing up every year, every year, every year. Well, that's what sports fans do. So, you know, 2013, this move was announced. At that time, the Braves were 16th in payroll. Uh, they What they promised when they made the move? Well, what they promised was we have a bad TV contract and we can talk about that if you want to, but we have a bad TV contract that we're stuck in until I think 2027. So we need to find other ways to make revenue so that we can increase the payroll. 
And so we're going to move to this new stadium. We're going to have this whole new development. We're going to do a lot of great things there. And we're going to make a lot of money. And a big chunk of that money is going to go back into the product. And it just hadn't been true. I mean, look, I, I, again, I am want to preface all that with I'm thrilled. I love the fact that, you know, I, I can't believe we won the World Series. I, I will be living high off this for a long, long time. But when we were 16th in payroll in 2013 and 14th now, that promise was never fulfilled. And that's before, like you said, all of the money that was made over that the month of October and, and early November. I mean, they, I think prior to that, prior to the fourth quarter of this year, uh, the Braves had had revenues were like 460 something million dollars and the attendance was top three or two two or yeah. I mean yeah I mean people people show up I mean people you know we packed that stadium and and you're right I mean the money moving up two slots would we pass like the twins and the nationals I mean it's like come right. on no so so yeah there should be money there um the the, the TV deal I I I, I haven't read a ton about the specifics of it, but I know the Dodgers have a TV deal that's like 10x what the Braves have, and that a lot of the Dodgers' money comes from you know what flows from that from from that TV deal. We're locked into this one for almost another decade, well six you know six seven years. Is there a way out of it? Is there is there an easy way to explain the deal that we signed and why we did it? So I I don't I don't have insider knowledge on any of this kind of stuff, but I believe what happened was when they signed the deal originally, the team was still a Turner entity or a, a Time Warner entity. And I think it was a way of, you know, money shifting from one pocket to the other, um, from the Braves team to, at the time, they owned the TV networks. So, you know, they just got a cheaper deal on the TV network to make the TV network's numbers look better, Yeah, I, is, is, the way, is the way I understand it. And so that deal right now, we're getting roughly $80 million a year. Um, the Dodgers are getting about $250 million a year. And teams don't all report their, their income from, uh, from TV. So it's a little hard to pull realistic, you know, full, full picture numbers. But, you know, the Dodgers are the extreme. I'm sure the Yankees are getting, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. I'm sure, you know, the teams that you would expect are getting those. But uh, this contract, I think, by 2023 goes up to about $100 million a year and then $120 million by 2027. But by that time, you know, who knows where, where everybody else will be. So we're at a big competitive disadvantage. But the thing that gets me is I looked at it. Houston is number four in payroll. Houston. Houston's a big city, but Houston's not a is not as rabid about their team and doesn't have the reach for their team that I think the Braves do. And for us to in 2021, for us to have been uh, to get to Houston, I says number four for us to get just up to number seven in payroll, which is I think where we probably should be. That's another 27 million dollars that we should have been we should have spent on our team. Um, if you adjust that for inflation for next year, because salaries are going way up, you're talking about 40 million dollars or so. My my man is adjusting future <laughs> salary caps for inflation. I told y'all that he was the guy who is passionate and knows this stuff. I mean, that is brilliant analysis right there. Um, I think much more like a caveman. I'm like. We should have more money. We need to spend it. Um, so where should the where should the Braves spend this money? Because um, we've got it. We, we we've got some flexibility in the payroll. We have five or six outfielders that will be competing for three spots. Acuna is, is back. He's gonna no 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 question. Um, so what does what does Anthopolis do? Like we've got we've got this wealth of people who are now part of the team. They're all free agents. Azuna is coming off of a of a wonky criminal deal. So what, what happens? It's a good question. Um, first of all, <laughs> we can even play baseball this year, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but assuming we do, and you know, is there a DH? Is there not a DH? You know, we'll have to, we'll have to answer that question as well. Um, I looked at it, tried to figure out where are the areas on this team that we could really improve? You know, um, catcher is a spot that we need a long-term answer. And I know we've got a couple of young guys that hopefully they'll pan out. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But catcher is one spot this year that was kind of weak. Um, Center field is a position that I, I would love to see us find an old school center fielder, you know, and Otis Nixon, somebody who, you know, everybody wants to pay the guys who are hitting 30 home runs now. I want the guy who's going to hit 10 home runs, get on base, play great defense. Do those guys exist? I think they do. I don't know where. You and far between, yeah, unfortunately. I, yeah. I mean, but but I, that's that's what I would love to see. Someone who, first and foremost, defensively can hold down center field. I mean, we won a damn World Series with Adam Duvall playing center field, which is, again, this, this debunks everything I basically say. But, but what's funny is if you bring Duvall back, which I think both you and me think that they should, he's kind of going to be your center fielder. I know. And that's, and that's, that's crazy because he's not typical, a typical center fielder, but where else do you put him? Christian Pache was supposed to be the guy. 
I don't think he is. Um, Drew Waters, we keep hearing about. I'm kind of like, if you don't see these guys by now, right? Wh- where where are they? Yep. And they kind of lose some of their their blue chip trading value. Right. I don't know if he's the answer. Ozuna, from, if you read the tea leaves, that's like priority one A is to to get him off the team, get him somewhere else. I don't know if you're hearing something similar. I think that's going to be such a good litmus test for where the finances of this team are. Because you've got a guy, you know, you came out, you made a big stance against domestic violence, as the Braves 100% should. The guy should never play another game in Atlanta. But I know there are some people in that in that front office who are looking at this saying, we've got a guy on a, again, if he hits like he did, on a relatively good, you know, cheap contract. Um, and we're not going to be able to move him for much, if anything. And so maybe because of finances, we got to put him back out there. I hope to God they don't do that. Yeah. But I... I who knows? Yeah, I don't think they are. I think that they, they've shown that they can win without him. Your point is a good one, that his money is going to be due to him. They're going to have to eat a lot of it. So I think it's. I think you're right. I think litmus test is, is a great word. I think Jock Peterson, I don't think he comes back, which is fine. He'll, he'll forever be a, a huge fan favorite in Atlanta. He'll come in the parades in 25 years. He'll come to the tributes, and we'll all love him, but I don't see him as, as a place. Rosario is the one who I really want back. Um, the numbers I've seen for him are not that high. You can get him at a decent price. Right. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I, I would love to see him. I think he's just, I think he's a little more versatile, you know? I mean, I'd love to see Soler come back because I just enjoyed watching him, you know? I mean, and, and you take this guy, he kind of was what BJ Upton was supposed to be. I didn't think about this. BJ Upton I just, very I just made good. a Melvin I, did, I reference. didn't see you going yeah. there. I, I hate BJ Upton. I, I, Your friend Sean Traub, I Hates BJ Upton, and rightly so. You asked me at some point what one of my least favorite Braves of all time, whatever. He was he was going to be my he, answer, he's, but he's one. But yeah. but you remember they got him, and he was a guy who batted 190 or whatever it was, and they thought the Braves are going to get it. We're going to get him, and all of a sudden he's going to be a leadoff hitter. He's going to be great. He's going to do all these wonderful things, and none of it panned out. Well, Solaire, look, it's obviously not a long term. You know, we don't have long term data on this, but for what he did, you know, in his time so far here was awesome. And if you could plug him in, I don't care where you plug him in in the lineup. You know, the guy's got obviously monster power. That home run in in the decisive game, I mean, I could watch that a million times. So I have watched it a million times. There, every every few days after the World Series, a new Twitter, you know, message, not message, but a video would come out where some other person was taking a, a video from some different angle. I watched every <laughs> single one of those. He hits it. He looks at the Braves' dugout. Pops his chest a few times, yep. and then and then the party's on. I mean, I love Solaire. If, if if there's a DH that gets added yes. next year, which I think we we think there will be, should be, I think he's perfect. Now yeah, we'll see what he totally. does over 162, but I'm fine paying him two years, whatever. Putting putting Rosario two years. Now the the big question is Freddie. Um, I I said you know in a, in a prior video that what Freddie should do is is take a piece of paper. Write a number on it, give it to Anthopolis, and say, hello, Mr. Anthopolis, I'd like for you to pay this. And Anthopolis should say, okay, Freddie, what's your direct deposit number? Let's do it. I just think they should. Now, you, you've you been talking for a year plus about the way they should have handled the, the Freddie deal. So so start wherever you want. Start like as the deal was expiring and what the Braves should have done and then what's going to ultimately happen in your opinion. Right. Uh, okay, so with Freddie... The deal should have been done a while ago. I mean, that's just obvious. I think everybody would would agree on that. If if what everyone's saying is true, which is the you know, well, the Braves really want him back, and Freddie really wants to be here, and so well, why isn't it done? Then why not? You know, right. So that should have been done. Yes, should have been done before last year. Um, and what's he done since then? The Braves gambled. Uh, what's he done since? Then? He won an MVP, and then he, after a, a wretched start to this year, uh, you know, just had Freddie numbers by the end, which means he was on fire in the second half. And if there was such thing as a postseason MVP, it would have been Freddie. I mean, so perfectly because he wasn't the key moment, except for that, that moment against Hader and against Milwaukee. He wasn't necessarily the key moment any particular time or wasn't the hottest guy at any moment, but damn that guy throughout the entire playoffs, he's the guy you needed. So, you know, a first baseman who plays good defense, I don't see that. And, and he's in, pretty good shape, I would say. He's not one of the bigger first basemen who's just a lumbering dude who you can see is going to fall apart. He plays great defense. I think it's always been underrated. I love a big, tall, good defensive He's first baseman. He's a base prototypical player. first yeah. baseman. Yeah, and I don't see those skills diminishing any time in the near future. You know, I, I think I am I, I am someone who understands, I think I understand at least a little bit about sports, not, not a ton, but I know that if you're a mid-market team, you cannot lock up a ton of money in a single player. 
But I think if you're ever going to do it, this is the guy, this is the time. And we're not talking about a 10-year deal. We're talking about a five or six-year deal. I'd pay him for five or six years, whatever you need to pay him and get the thing done. Because without him, this starts to fall apart quickly. And what is that saying from Liberty Media to the fan base? You know, you just made all this money. Hell, you take the money they made in October and you could afford probably a, a good would, chunk of that, of that contract. You would think. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you were at the parade. Uh, he stood up there and... Yes, you went to the parade twice. That's, That's right. right. We'll talk about that. Um, he stood up there, and everybody is cheering for him, and, and he said something to the effect of, you know, my heart is in Atlanta. I'm going to be back. I want to be back. Anthopolis, who actually got COVID, and he wasn't right. able to be on the field from his box, said the same thing. And they've been consistently, you know, saying this. And, and every day that passed, I was like, oh, shit. Like, why isn't this deal done? Because I cannot live in a world where he's wearing Dodger blue. I can't do it. I told, I told everybody that will listen that the Braves World Series title is buying me like happiness for a long time, and it is. But seeing him in Dodger blue, because I think that's probably our biggest competitor in, in the sweepstakes, is something that I just I can't handle. So five, six years, I think six is, is going to be the sticking point. I don't see why they don't do it, especially if we're going to a DH. Like at the end of the, at, at the tail end of that contract, which I think will still be very productive. Let them do DH. Right. So I always thought it was six one eighty. Um, I think that they screwed up and gambled and lost. Now it's going to be six closer to two hundred. Pay the man. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've never agreed on some on something of that value, but yes, I agree. So that that then then leads to like, you know, where does he rank in in Atlanta Brave lore? I mean, because you start giving that kind of money to a guy that's been this productive, he's he's on the short list, right? Like Chipper. We're about the same age. Like he was the guy. Um, you might have been more a pitcher guy because you 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 were a pitcher, but I was you know Chipper Jones. I put Freddie right there with him. Not quite yet. Freddie needs five or six more years. He's got his World Series. He's got his MVP. If he just kind of plays it out, he's going to be in Cooperstown, and his number five will be up in the rafters at at, at Truist Park, unless he leaves. Right. And then who knows? Yeah. Uh, no, I completely agree about that. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, look. What do you, what do you what's the last piece you need? To, to be in the in the pantheon of legends in, in any team, winning a World Series. And he just did it. And like I said, he was a postseason MVP. Um, so the guy is, is just, you know what you're going to get from him every year. You're going to get awesome defense. You're going to get really consistent offense. And you're going to get a guy who's clutch and who's a team leader. What what more are you looking for? You know, and, and he's the face of a franchise. And he's, Kids you know, love you've him. got, hell, you've got, you've got Freddie and Acuna, you know, as the two, you know, kind of big time, you know, Mount Rushmore faces of this my team My wife right and now. my daughter would include Dansby yeah, in that list. that's true. I know, they, they I know would. that you're not a huge I, Dansby fan. I, You've come around a little more now. I will say that I avoided Dansby a little while ago when I was talking about needs on this team. Um, but, you know, but like the two of them, Albies, you know, you give me those guys. If Austin Riley is, is for real, you know, it does this for the long haul. Man, unbelievable. So what's interesting about the Freddie Freeman stuff is that it's gone – Radio silent now that we're in this lockout. And it felt like every day we we're seeing a new a new free agent being signed. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. But now it's kind of like, where are we at in this weird lockout time? Um, I know that you've, you've done a lot of, of research and trying to figure out why is this, is, is, is this lockout happening? What's wrong with labor? Um, the owners locked out the players this time, right? So the players aren't on strike. Um, what are the kind of high, hot you know, high level issues that they're bickering over? Well, I mean, simply it's money. I mean, it's always, always money, you know, uh, and, and that's the problem. Uh, life is a lot easier if you don't have money sometimes because you don't have to fight about the excess that, that's mo, there. What is it, mo you money, know? mo problems? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, but, you know, for real, it, it's a question of sports making money, who's getting it? Um, you know, baseball has the strongest players union of any sport. Tony Parson, a great job. Yeah. And, and they have kept it from having any kind of salary cap. Uh, you know, what's kind of nice about the NFL, and I don't love the NFL, but what's kind of nice about it is you know that if you're bad for a couple of years, you have a chance to be in the playoffs the next year because of the salary cap. Teams just can't afford to hang on to guys. Um, baseball obviously doesn't have that because the players union would never allow that to happen. And that's actually when they went on strike in 94. That was one of the big sticking points to it. Uh, but the collective bargaining agreement ended and, you know, on, on uh, the beginning of December. And, you know, there hasn't been a new one agreed to. And that what scares me is, 
you're not hearing much, you know? And, and I think everyone's kind of got the mindset of, oh, don't worry, there's plenty of time before spring training, you know, we'll get this all worked out. Reality of the situation is the world we live in these days, people don't come together. People don't, you know, don't sit down for the common good anymore, it seems. And, you know, I don't see either side bending, you know, tremendously. Now you ask me what, what, uh, what the big issues are. Well, let's talk about this. For a minute, last year, if you remember, when they were trying to decide whether to have a season or not with COVID, you know, it looked really, you know, really dark. It looked like there was no chance they were going to have a season because neither side could agree on stupid little things, you know, at the time. Um, and finally, I think Rob Manfred, you know, mandated. I think he had that power to mandate a sixty-game season, and so he did. And they knew then they knew what was going to happen, you know, this coming year. But you know, the main sticking points: revenue sharing. You know, the the owners say that the contracts have been skyrocketing. The players say that the average salary is pretty stagnant. You know, they're they're worried about not necessarily the top end guys, but the middle tier guys. Um, you know, service time, um, you know, the, the teams want to reduce the service time, you know, or, or I'm sorry, the players want to reduce the, the service time requirement where, you, where a team has you locked up. Right now it's six years, they want to reduce it to five years. Um, which if you think about it, one year is not that big a deal until you really think about that's the last year when this guy's really starting to become good. And we've still got him at a pretty affordable rate. So, you know, the problem there is, okay, these small market teams, you know, they're going to, that, that's going to even speed it up yeah, a little bit more of the cycle where they develop these players and then they go to the Yankees or the Dodgers or whomever. So they can't, they can't compete, you know, and that's a big issue that, that I, I don't know how they're going to ultimately resolve that. So if I brought, I don't want to interrupt you, but what, what I see with, with the way that that six year deal is being, um, being used, the, the, the teams, they play games with it by holding their, their top, blue chip prospects into the minors for like, was it 15 games or 20 games or until May 1st so that they don't get that one season counting as service time. Right. And so you've got someone like, they didn't do it with Acuna because he's once a generation, but I remember the third baseman for the Cubs. Yeah. Um, oh God, his name's blanking me right now. Uh, I can picture him anyway. It's terrible. I can't think of his name, but he was like a sure, you know, a sure, a sure hit. And they held him for like those first 20 days to not get the clock starting. Right. And the Cubs fans were like, the hell? This guy's going to, he's our starting third baseman. Right. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. Thank you. Chris Bryant. And then you see these teams that finish like two, three, four, five games out of the wild card or out of the division lead. Right. Those could have been the difference. Exactly. Totally. So so to me, that always was something that I thought was just a little bit too wonky. I know there's issues with like the salary arbitration and getting there in a certain amount of time. Um, Bottom line is it takes a long time in baseball to start getting paid. You're four or five years in the minors, then you're four or five, six years in these you know, first contracts. You're 30 years old before you're really eligible for a big hit. And that's such a small percentage of these guys that, that end up getting those contracts. I mean, you and me both grew up playing, playing baseball. We have kids that play baseball. Like, it's really damn hard to play professional baseball. Absolutely. Really hard. It's even harder to get advancing through the system to get to the major leagues. And it's even damn impossibly hard to get these contracts. So I'm on team, you know, team player, team owner. I think that you're on team fan, you would say, but I'm on, I'm on team player. Like I think they should get their money. Yeah. I mean, I, I say team fan because look, I think who, who's the side that's never represented in these conversations. And obviously we understand why, but, uh, but it's the fan, you know, I mean, when, when they went on strike in 94, you know, they lost a lot of fans because of it, you know, when, when, They've had various points throughout. I thought during uh, during the Great Recession, when attendance was way down, nobody could afford to go to games. I thought they should, you know, team fans should step up and and baseball should lead the way across sports and say, this year is a half price year, 2008, 2009. Everything's half price. Literally everything's half price because no one's coming to the games anyway. We're losing money. Might as well use this to invest back in the fans because what I see happening with baseball is is you know kind of dark clouds on the horizon. You know. I, I have a 16-year-old son. He plays baseball in high school. He loves baseball. I don't think he's ever watched a full baseball game. Other than the games I've taken him to on TV, I don't even think he watched a full World Series game. My son would come and go. He'd watch the beginning. We'd go do something. He'd come back. It's, it's, it's hard for me to watch a full baseball right. game. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. luckily we have our phones and we're texting back and forth, and that's some additional entertainment. My wife's not going to sit there and watch a full game. Oh. I'm, I'm not, I don't watch a full game in June against right. the Marlins on a Tuesday. Right. You know, yeah. I'll, tur- I'll watch the first two innings, and I'll watch probably the last two innings. Um, I, I'm no Rob Manford fan. He's hated in Atlanta for, for good reason. So I hope that he doesn't come out looking like the hero here when, when everything gets settled. I think he probably will, will come out looking bad, which, which is fine by me. Um, 
Anything else you want to talk about with the with the lockout? No, I mean it's just some other things like you know when teams sign a free a top free agent, now they have to give up the team that signs that guy has to give up a compensatory draft pick somewhere at the end of the first round, second round, you know. So they're trying to get rid of that kind of issue because it keeps teams from wanting to jump into the you know to the bidding. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if there's not enough bidders, then the price doesn't doesn't jack up. Um, expanded playoffs, you know what's going to happen there, and then you know. Two that uh, I think are going to be very interesting, Universal DH, which I hated the idea of the DH until they did it a couple of years until ago. Seen, until you've seen Solaire hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But also, you know, I, I, I really thought about it. I love the old school game. I'm just a you know traditionalist like that. But pitchers don't take any pride in hitting anymore. You know, so it used to be that, you know, you remember the, the, the Braves big pitching staff of, of the 90s they took were so much pride. Yeah. And that was a big deal to them. Um, but nobody does that anymore. So when it's an automatic out, they can't even sacrifice bunt anymore. Eh, okay, you, you, I, I get it. That's fine. Um, but the speed of the game, and that's kind of what I was talking about a second ago uh, with, with my son and his, his lack of interest. And I think he's indicative of, of that generation. You know, they don't, they don't want to even watch a 30-second highlight package of baseball. They want to watch a three-second TikTok of somebody hitting a home run and flipping their bat. And that's all they care to see. And I don't know, you know, what baseball is going to do about that because soccer, you know, has, has certainly taken off in Atlanta. Atlanta United has been, you know, been huge. And I think a big part of that is because you're in and out in two hours. You know, you get there, it's a great atmosphere for two hours and you know, you're done in two hours. Baseball, no, you're not. That's a great point. My kids, same way. YouTube, they want the highlights. They want the clips. They're, they're not going to, you know, they don't really, the younger generation doesn't understand the pageantry of the game, the flow of the game, the intricacies of moving runners over or where the position. So we'll see. I mean, baseball, look, been around for 150 years. It's, in my opinion, the, the greatest sport, uh, American pastime. They'll, they'll figure it out. I hope. <laughs> yeah. So before we get done, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, before we get done, I want to, I, I like asking folks their favorite, not necessarily players, but you've been around the Braves forever, like your favorite free agent signings, favorite trades, and then also your least favorite free agent signings, your least favorite trades. I always find people's answers is very fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite free agent signing, Greg Maddox has to top that list. It's an easy, obvious one, but that guy's my favorite athlete of all time. I mean, just just brilliant. I mean, all the stories, I'm not going to start telling all the stories, but all the stories of him setting up hitters for, you know, a game two months down the road and, you know, just, just absolutely fascinating. And a guy who, if you passed him on the street would, he'd be the last guy you'd think would be a professional athlete. More like an accountant. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, two that I really love that I don't think get talked about as much now as we've gotten farther away from it, Terry Pendleton and Sid Bream. Uh, you know, when, when this organization really turned, and it's weird because I still think of myself as young, but when I start talking about that, I sound damn old. But when this organization turned was when they decided to really step up uh, what they were doing on the corners and trying to improve the, the defense as much as the offense. So they brought in two guys who were good gloves, good offense, team leader type guys. And it really solidified, you know, what they were able to do. I think they even brought in Raphael Belliard, if I remember. Can you Love imagine Raphael Belliard in today's day and age hitting 210 and, you know, zero home runs and 17 RBIs, but playing great defense. <laughs> I love the guy. I loved him. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that was, he had the best hands I've ever seen, but, um, but anyway, I thought those were, those were some of the greatest free agent signings. Um, worst free agent signing. Oh, Melvin already, already said it. The worst. Uh, five years, $75 million. I think up until a couple of years ago, that was still the, the most expensive free agent the Braves have ever signed. And he batted, I think 198. <laughs> Uh, and we had to trade. If you remember, we had to trade Craig Kimbrell just to get rid of his ass. Yeah. That he, 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 yes. We had to trade Craig Kimbrell just as one would take him. Yes. He was, he was not good. Um, his brother was okay. Um, his brother's still playing for the angels, by the way. Is he really He's still putting up some numbers? No kidding. Yeah. So that was, that was a deal. You, you remember, I, I did not, I was not big on that. I did not like the idea. So I've coached baseball in NYO now for 21 years. Um, and I've always felt like you could get by, and Alex Anthopoulos said this quite a bit after the playoffs this year, which I loved hearing, that you construct a team, and if you've got a bunch of good guys in there who all pull for each other, who are all team kind of guys, you know, then you can do, you know, you can do great things, and you can have maybe one guy with a little bit of a questionable personality who you can, you know, you can do something. You know, the the good outweighs the bad there, and they'll win over. But in this case, when they brought in two brothers both of whom their teams were willing to give up on in their prime, which tells you something because they were 
they were talented guys. And, you know, I think Melvin came in. I think he is supposed to have a little bit Melvin, of it. I know. I, I, I fully adapted. Well, Bobo did that to me. I, you know, when Bobo calls him Melvin, I call him Melvin. Um, but when you, you know, when you, when you bring in two guys and I could just see one of them starts having a, a rough patch, the team doesn't treat him right, the team benches him, what's the other brother going to do? You know, it just didn't, it seemed like a bad idea. Do you remember the Sports Illustrated cover with oh, the yeah. two of them and Kate Upton? Yep. Like, what are we doing here? And, and it, it went nowhere. Now, yeah. talking about bad trades, you know, the, the, the good trades or the great trades don't get talked about nearly as much as the bad trades. You know, people love focusing on, right. on the bad ones. And people will always talk about the Adam Wainwright trade, yeah. which, you know, that was what for J.D. Drew. Yep. But then you got to counter that with John Smoltz trade. That was Doyle Alexander. Now, again, we're going back to late 1987. 80s, 1987 but yes. it's like you get someone like John Smoltz who – I mean, carried the front, not carried, but he was part of the, the, the reason the franchise was great for all these years. So baseball is unique in that man, in that way that you get these trades that you can go back and kind of look at. Um, you can fit players in football. You can't do that. Basketball, uh, you know, I don't really follow as much, you yeah. but that's what's so fun about baseball is you can go back. We can sit here and talk 25 years worth of, of, of moves and say what worked, what didn't work. But yeah. I think that the good news is where we are right now with Anthopolis is that Clearly, he knows what he's doing. Clearly, his track record is great. My concern is that people aren't going to be dealing with him anymore because, like, oh crap, he's going to fleece us right. on this deal. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that is that if that is a, a problem in reality, right. or if these GMs are like, no, 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 I, I know my players. I'm going to. Yeah, I, my take on him has been kind of interesting because I, I was so turned off a couple of years ago by the by when he made that statement I forgot what off season it was maybe two or three off seasons ago where he said I can shop in any aisle that was his quote I remember that because talking about specifically the things I was talking about before that um, you know, the, the the revenue coming in off of or the income coming in off of um, the battery was going to be pumped back into the team and it never was. And then he made that statement and we all thought, okay, now we're, now we're here. Now we're going to get ourselves back into the top 10 in payroll and we're going to really make a run. And it never happened. So, you know, but I, what I think now, as I look at it, I think he is probably a very good tactician. Um, you know, it seems like it. I mean, again, everything he touched turned to gold. You can't really, you know, you can't, you can't discount that. Um, but I think he's a guy who has a lot of hands tied behind his back. Uh, and, you know, and, and Liberty, Liberty has no interest. Liberty's CEO, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, made, made statements about the Braves as he always does. And if you look at him, it looks just like he's talking about, you know, anything else on his balance sheet. You know, it has nothing to do with the team or anything else. I think he said, why would we ever sell them? You know, we would lose so much in our t- uh, from tax benefits that it makes no sense. You know, and I don't want my team to be looked at like that. It's frustrating. But I you. think Anthopolis has done the best he can. I mean, obviously did a damn good job within that framework. So before we move off of the free agent topic, um, I was told to ask you how you reacted to Tom Glavin signing with the Mets. <laughs> you know, I, I did not... I didn't have a tremendous problem with him doing it because I think the Braves, I think the Mets gave him what he, sh- you know, what, what the Braves weren't willing to give him. I couldn't, I really couldn't have a problem. You were there. a Glavin guy though. I like Glavin. Glavin turned me off a little bit during the, uh, you know, during the strike because he was the face he of was the, the yeah, team. He, he was yeah, the, the player, players yeah. union. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but damn, I, I go back and I appreciate the hell out of what he did. You know, I mean, I just, I think about the stubbornness that he had and he'd sit there and just hit Outside corner, knee high, outside corner, knee high, go another inch off the plate, inch off the plate, and then bust him in. And I mean, he did it hitter after hitter after hitter, and he would not give in. And that guy, I mean, that's amazing. You could do that for almost 20 years with and, success. And, and walk into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, this, this has just been too much fun for me. Um, I love talking about the Braves. Uh, my last question for you, though, is this. So Greg Maddox was your favorite Brave of all time. How would you compare and contrast Greg Maddox's, Greg Maddox's athletic career with Sean Traub's athletic career? Well, I mean, they're both captains of industry, I think, and, and, they're, and they left their mark in very different ways. Um, so Sean Traub's athletic career, as I've said about a lot of things today, is very interesting. Um, Sean was that kid... Love him to death. He was that kid that 12, 13, you know, everyone's kind of found their sport that they're good at. And Sean just never found his. And it was like, God bless him for trying, you know, baseball, football, basketball, whatever. And then all of a sudden he went out one day for this track and fast forward, 
the rest of us are sitting on our ass talking about uh, the, the glory days when we were, you know, playing in middle school or high school. And this jackass, you know, ends up running track, at, winning the state championship, running track at Georgia. And, you know. So you had a front row seat. He, he always tells us about the medals that he win. And he's in the Riverwood Hall of Fame. He is. Very illustrious. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, uh, we, we, and he ran at Georgia again. We love, we love Sean. Um, and you had a front row seat to his entire athletic career. Yeah. Well, what, what annoyed me about Sean, though, was he would go run 15 miles in the morning. And it was in high school. We, and we'd go, like, we'd go out to eat later that night. And if I passed a parking space, you know, and went three feet farther to the next parking space, he would go, he would flip his lid. Could walk. He could, he could run 15 miles. But I always wondered what he thought about when he was running for 15 miles. So at some point, Sean will be on this podcast. And that's the question I'll ask him. And, and if there's any other question you want me to ask him, let me know. No, and that's why I've got to kind of, you know, pull my punches a little bit because I know, I know he'll be on here next. Um, you can ask him about Goldie spending time uh, calling out split times on the track during the Olympics. <laughs> and no, I don't mean like the Olympic trials. I don't mean the real Olympics. I mean the Ridgeview Middle School Olympics circa 1989 uh, when everyone else is just out there laughing, having a good time, and Sean's out there. You know, this is, this he, is real. He's, looking, this for, is he's real. looking for his splits in middle school Olympics? Oh, of course. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. All right. Well, Brad, this has been too much fun. Um, anything else on the Braves you want to add? Anything that we glossed over that you, you think is important? No, I mean, just just what a great time to be around the city of Atlanta, to be around baseball, you know, the Braves. I, I'm, I really hope they, that this lockout ends quickly so we can get back to it and celebrate this team, you know, beginning of next year the way that we should. Um, and I'd like to get back to talking about hot stove tough stuff, know. you know? I mean, let's, let's, get, let's get Freddie signed. Let's get, you know. The hot stove stuff is, is almost more fun than the games. Yeah. So my hope is that come April, whatever, um, they're in the battery, they're playing, Freeman's playing, you know, at first base, and let's, let's run this thing back, right? Awesome. Yeah. Hey, you picked the only topic, maybe one of only two or three topics I'm qualified to speak about. So I uh, appreciate everybody listening and appreciate you having me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, everybody, thank you all for listening. And until next time, hold your head up high and keep chopping.